When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CHEO Bulls podcast. I'm your host, Will Gottlieb. You can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. And I am joined by my good Aussie friend, Mark Karensoulis, at MK Hoops on Twitter. Mark, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm great. Just great, William. It's uh, it's good to be here with you. It's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke. So, uh, yeah, good to catch up with you and all our fellow Bulls fans. Hope everyone is well. Hopefully, uh, 2024 is treating everyone kindly and well, and it's going to be a great year for everyone. So I'm hoping that is certainly the case. And for you too, William. But um, I'm just I'm just over the moon, to be honest with you, that it's you and I obviously back here on this HQ edition. But in rare form, this hasn't been something that's happened for the least last four to five times that we've done this. We're also joined by the one, the only, the great, young Joseph Spathis, who has made his HQ return. How about That's right. that? That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm back. You know what I like about HQ? What's that? Is that, uh, well, one, I get to hear some very educated takes. Um, you know, I remember you sure? <laughs> from, when I, from, when my, from when I joined, you know, myself, how educated your takes were. Um, made myself look like a fool by comparison but i like that i do get the occasional on camera view because there's no option for me to just join with my voice like i i could go like with one of these no you gotta but you gotta i don't think that people i like doing you gotta this. give so people what they want maybe what i'll start to do is jo- maybe make some like funny graphics to put as my headline when i join but no joe glad to got be back people Very... watching and they all want to see your face so let's uh i mean listen let's give people lot, what they want that's it's true it's true. We, we you might be kidding. I'm not. Um, but Barry in the I'm lead. Not. I am very happy to be back with you guys, and I want to clear the air that I am not choosing <laughs> to not produce the HQ episodes. I am yeah. just producing what I'm told. I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm told. It comes from the higher ups. You do your job. That you know, make those are in your role to make those decisions. And, and, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening right now who are like, let's get on with the Zach Levine talk. So I'm going to let you guys take it away. Glad to be here. Maybe I'll chime in later. <laughs> Love it. Always the blame in the man. Not willing to take accountability <laughs> for his own actions. Young Joseph. Oh, Joey. What are the, what are the young kids you. of this generation? Let me tell you, these young kids these days. Ah, anyways, maybe. But well, that, speaking you know, of. Speaking of, uh, speaking of kids these days that are, you know, <sighs> having a rough go of it with the man. I don't know if that's a good transition, <laughs> but I'm going to roll with it anyway. Zach Levine, yeah. we got to talk about him. It's the yeah, biggest story going on in the land of the Bulls right now. And uh, let's start with this. I mean, all things trending towards a return tomorrow against mm. the Charlotte Hornets. That would be a home game on Friday night. So... Yeah, I mean, it kind of crept up on us. I know the, the initial timeline was three to four weeks, but mm. um, it seems like he's going to be back. It, it kind of ramped up quickly. He played a couple of uh, days of practice with the Windy City Bulls while 
the uh, big league team was out of town and everything went well. He was recently just recalled and was listed as questionable for the game tomorrow. Uh, Vooch also listed as questionable, but we haven't really heard much about him. So that could also be a return tomorrow. But Mark, talk to me about your latest feelings about Zach Levine on the court and what do you expect to see from him when he returns? Well, uh, let's start with the, the on-court stuff first. I, I, I have no idea what to expect from Zach uh, when he returns. One, for a number of different reasons. One, I assume if he does come back, he'll be on some sort of minutes restriction or won't necessarily be flying around for 36 minutes a game You know, at his peak level, let's say. So he's returning from a long absence. So from that standpoint, I don't know if we're even going to get much Zach when he does return. So I think that's something to note. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I think you know that's a fair assumption. But even when he does return, I have no idea which version of Zach Levine will be returning. One, because like I said, he's been off for a, for a few weeks. He's probably not in game shape. Um, you know, even if he's trying to be the best version of himself, can he be the be- best version of himself when he first arrives? Given that he has a had had has had a long layoff, I'm assuming his condition conditioning is probably not where it needs to be as well because it has been a foot injury and you know if you've got a foot injury you can't necessarily be running around doing your thing even when you when you're off so i think that matters um but to that point as well like i'm not convinced at this stage that we're going to get the best version of zach levine now i know it's probably in his best interest to come out and be the best version of zach levine given the whole trade thing and this, apparently there's no market for Zach. So maybe the way to stimulate a market is by coming out and playing awesome and fitting in within a team concept. But the last version that of Zach Levine that we did see was not that version of Zach. So I have zero idea what version we're going to get for a number of different reasons, William. And in terms of my general temperature around Zach at the moment, I guess, you know, I, I'm not feeling very positive about this whole thing um, for a number of different reasons. You I, and not I, feeling positive? <laughs> I know me, me the ever the uh, optimist, but I don't know. Like I, I guess for me, just any any time a player dogs it on the court and comes out, no, well, he has. I guess has, hasn't necessarily come out and said that he wants out, but any any time a player just doesn't play with any effort and has if effectively said that they want out of Chicago, like that's going to rub me the wrong way, and it. So that's just the way I feel currently with Zach. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. It, it plays a part that I just don't necessarily have a huge affinity for him previously. Had 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 that been the case, then maybe I feel differently about it. But given the fact that I've just never had that true affinity with Zach personally as a fan, if you do, that's fine. You can. I've got no issues with you doing so. But when you factor that in, in addition to what's happened this season... I, I just don't know what to make of it all. I'm not. I haven't really enjoyed the Zach Levine experience this season. I kind of want it all to be over and done with, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case for the next three, three or four weeks. So, let's see what happens. Let's find out. So you're not at all feeling. I mean, I guess I'll say like I do feel a little bit bad for him. Like obviously he is asking out of town, and it has gone about as poorly of trade requests as you could possibly imagine. Um, had the 51 point game in Detroit with the zero assists and a loss next day the trade news comes out from you know Rich Paul or I actually don't even remember like where that came from at this point was that uh it was Shams wasn't it a shot it must have been a Shams report which um, is effectively Rich Paul <laughs> which is a Rich Paul report um yeah. basically saying that you know he now both sides were open to um exploring opportunities and I think mm-hmm. My read on this from Zach's perspective, this is not like something I've obviously talked with him about, but um, kind of reading the tea leaves of what he has said in availabilities is that like, I don't I, like, I think he kind of feels like this narrative about him asking for a trade is kind of wrong. Um, what he said was that, you know, he feels like this is coming from both sides. It's not just coming from him. And he's kind of being painted as the one that's asking out. Um, and like, you know, sitting courtside with Rich Paul, wearing the clutch sweatshirts and smiling on the United Center floor at the, um, whatever college game that was at the United Center. Um, it doesn't look good, but then like you, it's a month and a half later and what we're just saying, like, there is no trade market. The landscape is barren. Nobody wants him. Uh, 
that's just that, that sucks for him. It really does. And maybe you don't have sympathy for him. Maybe you do, but um, you know, I I think for some reason we are back in this place where Zach has everything to prove, even though it feels like he has done a lot of this. And ultimately, it just comes down to being in a winning situation. He obviously plays a part in that. Like, so if you're going to be a max player and you want to make you know a third of the salary cap, you need to contribute to winning. And the Bulls have not done that in seven years that he's been here. So you have to put some of that on him. I don't think it's all on him. And I think this idea of like, he's not a winning player is kind of like a lazy criticism that people make when they don't know how else to criticize you. So that part of it makes me kind of sad for him. I hope that he ends up in a better situation where he does get to win. But obviously I also hope that the bulls are able to get something back for him. And right now, based on the optics, based on the way he is, uh, perceived around the league it just does not seem like that's going to happen at all and i said this last night i've said it a million times but like the best case scenario right now is for zach to come back and play really well and for the bulls to start winning some games because that gives the bulls the best chance to get something back for zach it gives zach the best chance to go to a team that you know hopefully he is happier on so i do kind of feel for zach um i hope that he gets into a better situation but yeah i mean for me it's like the most important thing is the Bulls securing some assets here, and that just feels like it's going to be a stretch. And, and we'll get into more of that, but just in terms of what you need to see from him on the court to kind of, I mean, it's like you're 10 for him. I just, I don't know that like five games of him playing well is really going to like adjust his trade value at all. Do you, do you feel like there's anything he can do on the court over the next, I think it's uh, 15 games until the trade deadline, um, maybe five games until January 15th. Do you feel like there's anything he can or needs to do in order to like endear himself to potential suitors? Well, firstly, on the sympathy piece, like I, I don't have the sympathy element for it for two reasons, and and one of them being what uh, Fish has noted here in, in the comments and that we see on the screen at the moment, the fact that it wasn't not necessarily just the trade request, whether it's a soft request, hard request, however we want to frame it, it's the fact that he went out of his way or at least it seemed like he went out of his way to not buy into what the team was trying to achieve this season that rubbed me the wrong way and fine i understand why he may be disappointed or frustrated with management if they've been taking calls on zach in trade situations in the off season or in the trade deadline whatever it might be uh previously like i can understand why he would be frustrated in that but the question he needs to ask himself and we as fans need to ask ourselves is why are they taking those calls or making those calls or having those conversations? And it's to the point that you made before that things here haven't been perfect. Uh, Zach Levine himself is not a primary option on a, on a team that matters. And, you know, I feel some sympathy for him in that sense that he's been miscast all these years, but at the same time, I, I just because he's in trade rumors or, you know, management have, floated him out in potential deals i'm not gonna what's the name feel sympathy toward him just because of that aspect his actions have sort of contributed this to this both in terms of his on-court stuff in terms of the type of player he is but also like i said before the way he sort of approached this season now to your question around wait can i I say one more thing before we move on to that um Yeah. yeah i just like i do think that part of this is again, from his perspective, like the bulls were looking for trades for him. And I think the reason they're doing that is because one, they don't believe in him the way that he feels like he needs to be believed in. And two, Mm -hmm. because they've already committed so much money to all the other guys in their roster and they want to keep doubling down on this product. And the only way to do that is to clear off some money. Like they are going to be like the, I don't, I can't stress enough that like the financial limitations on next year are shaping Mm -hmm. this Levine discussion. And um, yeah. I think that that absolutely factors into it. Um, and the other thing is like a just complete, I think, lack of awareness on his part of how good he is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he yeah. thinks he's the man. I think you kind of have to if you are going to be even as good as he is. But that's the that's the reason why things have not worked out is because he wants to be the number one man and he's not good enough to do that. And when that happens, there's a disconnect and the disconnect either comes in the form of you're not winning games because you're being the number one guy or you're unhappy and you're not playing well because you think you should be because you think you're better than the number one guy who actually is on your team. And that's where I like, I don't necessarily feel bad for him, but 
that's been the problem this whole time is that this this just disconnect and i think that's why when you make that sort of soft trade request and nobody wants you like that that has to hit at some point and to me i'm curious to see if that will affect his play at all i'm not sure that it anything that happens the next five or ten games will really matter um no. as far as his trade value but like if if there was ever something that could happen in zach's career to make him recognize that like he needs to fit in and not do what he has been doing i think this is probably it right yeah 100 and look just to be clear I, I have no issues with zach being mad at constantly being in trade rumors that would be frustrating but i also i'm not going to be mad at the bulls for looking or including zach into trades because i think that's the right thing to do as well so if i think the bulls are doing the right thing from that point of view knowing where this team has been the last two to three years knowing that Vooch doesn't necessarily have value in the trade market, particularly after you resigned him, uh, DeMar having very little trade value, I would say at this stage, given the fact that he's thir- well, will be 35 next year, he's in year 15, and he's an expiring. Like It makes sense as to why the Bulls would be taking and making calls around Zach. But I also understand why he would be frustrated with it. I guess the part where I, he loses me is when he takes that out on the court and like i said he's, he's totally, unwilling to 100%. fit within the team concept and that's where it changes for me personally if it's if it's, also why it's been, be cool that's also why it's been difficult for him to find a trade is he thought he could be bowdy yeah. and not try and he was good enough that somebody would want him and that was not the case no you, you and that's probably another part that annoys me like you, you the lack of self-awareness like if you're going to play the clutch star card where i'm going to pout and you know take it out on the court and pretend that this is Anthony Davis 2.0 situation. Well, buddy, it's not. So <laughs> you, you can't play this card. So anyways, to, coming back to the question around, like, do I think if Zach returns and plays 5, 10, 15 games, whatever it might be before the trade deadline, does that change the dynamic of the of the trade market and the perception around him? To your point, like, this is year 10. Like, I don't, I don't know if people's opinions are going to be shaped or the narratives around Zach are going to be changed if, they, if they've been there for 10 years or however long you want to say that they've been there, they're not going to just evolve now suddenly over the next one to two, three, four weeks, whatever it might be. The only thing that may change is, you know, opposing teams, opposing GMs or whatever it might be, may get be able to get a look at Zach and, and how real this foot injury or any other ailment that was causing him, his ability to fit in within a team concept. Like maybe those sorts of things change slightly. But if... if if a certain team or GM or owner or whoever already feels a certain way about Zach, I don't think that narrative is going to change. But what might change will be if I'm Daryl Morey or if I'm Rob Polinka or insert whoever, you know, front office executive, if I maybe I feel more comfortable trading for Zach Levine if I can see him on the court moving around and really understanding what his health situation looks like. Like that's the only thing that I think can change. But if I'm already a Zach Levine naysayer, Am I going to be converted to a Zach Levine preacher by seeing what he does over the next two to three weeks on the court? Probably not. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I do think that the narrative has swung so far the other direction on him to where like people have totally forgotten how good he was at the end of last year. And when I say end of last year, I mean basically like from December on. So like the majority of last year. Um, I think he's still a really good player. And I think if he buys into playing a little bit like snappier offense and like moving the ball a little bit more and finding his shots within the flow of the offense. I think that's going to look good for him. And I think it will help people remember that as talented as he is, he can also be a part of a team. Um, I think he's done that in the past. I don't think he's really been forced to do that much, but I'm that that's why I don't feel like he's incapable of it. Um, the last thing for me on this is just like, you know, I, I think you're right to say that that so much of this is really just dependent on the market and the teams around him. Um, and yeah, I guess maybe we can just talk about some of those other teams and what, what else is going on. But to me, uh, yeah, I, I guess when I say like the narrative has swung too far, that's kind of my big point here is that like, I do think people have kind of forgotten that Zach was really good and that like the narrative had kind of changed on him. Um, I think the fact that he's making a lot of money is is pushing it back where it was. The fact that the Bulls are playing well without him is pushing it back. But I think that it's kind of over-adjusted. They've overcompensated. In, um, I think there there is still a little bit of room for it to kind of level back out more towards what it was last year. Because even if he is 
not playing as well as last year. Like his reputation last year was not as bad as it is now. And yeah, I just think the fact that he that he could be out there playing at even, you know, a normal good level, not even just like a at his best or outlier performance type of level. I think that will just him being present, I think does help him a little bit. Um, so we're going to say something. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I completely agree. And like coming into this season, I was a Zach defender. I still think he can be a very good fin, a uh, good, good player. I think he can certainly help teams. But on your point around the narrative swinging too far, I think the reason why it has swung too far, sadly, is because he's contributed to it. Like, had he played this a different way, had he not gone the clutch route where, you know, I'm, I I think I'm a superstar, I'm going to dog it on the court, I'm going to do, do the whole trade thing and try to force my way out. If he doesn't do that and it happens in the background, we're not aware of it, they agree to a trade or whatever it might be. If he doesn't do the whole thing on the court where he's not fitting in and already, like I said before, like I didn't necessarily have a great affinity for with Zach. So many of this fan base feel similarly. There are certain, you know, mind, uh, certain elements of the or factions of this fan base that will never like Zach Levine, have never appreciated Zach Levine, have always thought that he was a bad, inefficient chucker who didn't deserve a max contract. Those voices have been here and loud for a number of years. And all Zach has done by doing or taking the approach that he has is sort of just embolden, embolden those opinions. So that's the sad reality around this thing that it, he's given. I won't say he's given credence to those opinions because those opinions are still bad and dumb, but he has just emboldened those takes or enabled those takes to, you know, to see another to see another day. So that's the disappointing part to me. And yes, I, I get that this has gone too far and it has gone too far and it's all a bit ridiculous at this point, but I, I can't overlook the fact that his approach and his wanting to get out the way he has has sort of enabled the situation as well. So he he doesn't go blameless and he's not without fault with that, which is just again another it's it's shitty because it I understand why Zach wants to be out and wants to do different things. It's his career, it's year 10, all those sorts of things. If he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. That's fine. But it's just sad that it has to maybe end this way and that all all the any goodwill that he maybe had sort of uh established or created over the years and those few voices that were sort of in the background yelling about things, the fact that it's he's enabled that situation to be louder and given more credits to it, that's just the the, uh, the disappointing part. Yeah, but that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, uh, sure. let's uh, let's read some ads here and then get back to more Zach Levine uh, trade discussion. Uh, Mark, can you help me tell our friends about Comet? Uh, I can, William, when I uh, pull the ad read. <laughs> there you go. That's what I wanted to ask first. Uh, well, to, look, to be fair in the rundown, let, let's take people behind the scenes for a minute. Like when I produce the, the rundown, which is very rarely these days, Here we go. but I, when, when the Comed ad read is part of the, the rundown, I note, make it very clear that uh, who is who is reading what within the, within the ad. Now, within... This particular rundown that William Gottlieb created, it says Comed WG is reading this ad. So I just assumed it was just a solo read. That's my mistake. I read into I it, but it is... I'm talented enough at at reading advertisements. I could do that, well... but I'm also, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a company man. They want it to be a two-person read. You want to be the first reader? Or you want to be the second reader? I'll give you the choice. I'll be the first reader. All I'm saying is just for future okay. podcasts, just, just make it very clear that I'm the first reader. But now that we right, have I'll, I'll take accountability for that. That's reader. called being accountable. Joey learned about Thank that. Thank you. Unlike Joseph, you're, you are accountable to your actions. As am I. In uh, Well, not really. I'm, I'm going to blame this on you. But nonetheless, I am the first, e first reader in this ad read. So I will start reading. It says, it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles, William. That's something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet, and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Mark, you are absolutely right. The electric grid <laughs> is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do, William? They should go to comed.com slash clean 
To learn more about resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure in- infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business. Good for the planet. Good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Very good. And now I'll tell everyone about game time because clearly in the rundown, it is noted that this is my ad read. So I will tell you all about game time. The absolute best place to get yourself some last minute tickets. There's always good deals on here. If you need to get your hands on a ball ticket or, you know, an event, uh, any event really, like whether you're going to a comedy show, a music show, whatever it might be, if you want to get to the theater, uh, game time is where you get great value on tickets any last-minute ticket deals you want to pick up, this is the place you go. So you just download the app, friends. You can get yourself access to all of these premium premium events. And when you do so, when you download the Game Time app, when you create yourself an account, and when you're trying to get yourself those beautiful premium tickets, you can also use promo code CHDO. And when you do, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Of course, terms and, terms and conditions do apply. But when you download the app, create an account, do all that stuff. You find your tickets you want to put through the purchase. Use promo code CHDO and you will get $20 off. So that's uh, the game time app. Download it today to get the best on last minute last minute tickets. And uh, look, you, just to be sure, you are going to get the lowest price. Absolutely guaranteed when you do so. Guaranteed deals that is not something that we can say for Zach Levine. There will not be any guaranteed deals. There could be but there might not be because as Woj said last night on NBA countdown prior to the bulls facing the Knicks, there is quote, no market for Zach Levine right now. He said, quote there, they may in the end just have to be glad that they can find a team that will take on his contract. Yikes. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's just start with that one. So, you know, there, there's been some like Lakers, you know, drama and bubbling up. Um, Jeff Zilgit, uh, reported that the Lakers might be interested in Zach's availability. That one's kind of been the, to me, like the standout and kind of like the uh, the Occam's razor of it all. Of just like you know, the the simplest solution is is most likely the one, right? So I think ultimately he does end up with the Lakers. Um, they obviously have some some interest, and uh, I think really like the, with the way that their season is kind of melting down, it just making more and more sense. Um, there was a report last night uh, that uh, people are just not really happy with Darvin Ham in the Lakers locker room. Uh, there was a quote from this, uh, I believe it was a Shams article that says there's currently a deepening disconnect between Darvin Ham and the Lakers locker room. Six sources with direct knowledge of the situation say <laughs> raising questions about the head coach's standing. Uh, I mean, just kind of hilarious that they would point out that basically six players are frustrated with Darvin Ham. Um, so I think there that kind of makes the most sense. I'm not really sure what other suitors might be out there. Philly has been named. I don't really think that's super realistic. Um, but I guess I'll just, I'll say this first. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you and I are starting to diverge on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, are you just like, get a Zach deal done if you can get one done by any means necessary? Uh, not necessarily by any means, but I'm not... I'm not in the camp that says that you have to not trade him if you can't get, you know, good value back. I think you're losing okay, the deal so let's regardless. Say, okay, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we're definitely on the same page about them not winning this deal. I'm not going to say losing because, yeah. they're, they're you losing know, a guy's a value is Frame what people are willing to pay for it. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to get a good, a, a good, um, just asset like maybe one, maybe like half of an asset. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you're going to also have to take back a lot of money in this deal. Um, and mm-hmm. so how do you value that? Even if it's like shorter term contracts like D'Angelo Russell, uh, it's not really going anywhere on your books. So you're stuck with him. You're stuck with mm-hmm. Hachimura. Um, I, I kind of posed this to you last time and I don't think either of us were really 100% serious about talking about it because it seems mm-hmm. so un- unrealistic. But like would you just trade him for Russell and Hachimura no picks or like a heavily lottery protected pick? I mean, cause that's kind of seeming like where it's heading right now and hopefully they can do better than that. But like, are you at a point where you would basically salary dump him? 
Uh, well, I'm not, I'm, I, I guess just from from my definition of a salary dump, if I'm having to take back money, then it's not necessarily a salary dump in that in that sense. So the example that you raised, where you're trading him to LA, and you are getting some money off the books in the sense that it's not as long term of money. Rui's got two years after this season. Uh, D'Lo's got the one after this season. You, so in that's yeah, you also ahead. aren't taking back like the full forty million. If it's those yeah. two, I think it's like thirty three, and then you'd have to get like Jalen Hutchinson or something, which would put it up to thirty six. Yeah, so there would be some savings from a long-term perspective but in terms of your immediate cap situation for 20 for next season like it's ultimately you know the same uh assuming you can't move Rui or or uh D'Lo for an expiring so in that sense to me that isn't a salary dump like for me a salary dump would be trading Zach to Philadelphia for Tobias Harris and his expiring deal like if I just want to make that clear because everyone has their own definitions around what salary dumps are or just generally speaking, there's a lot of semantics around this. So for me, if I, if I could get a deal now where I could trade Zach for expirings, whether it's Tobias Harris, whether it's a bunch of the other stuff that the Sixers got from the Clippers, that their deals don't necessarily extend beyond this season. Um, or maybe it's just one contract that is not guaranteed beyond this season and I have to eat some money. I would do that. Um and I think there's an opportunity cost if you don't do that, which you alluded to before, and we'll get into a little bit more detail later around the whole tax piece and what that means for the roster build beyond Zach. I, th- I think that's a very real constraint that people aren't thinking enough about. So I I am maybe, well, maybe I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'm in, the, in a minority in the sense that I would trade Zach just to get it over with and done. I think resolution, there's value in resolution. Would I do it? Would I trade Zach just for any old offer for a shitty offer where I'm having to take back a stack of guaranteed money that doesn't really change the the calculus or doesn't really allow me to pivot in a way that I would like to? No, I wouldn't do it in that sense. But if there's a deal out there where I can free up money and give me that flexibility to pivot or to do things differently, even if I don't get back a young player or a bunch of first round picks or the type of deal that ideally I would have liked, then I think you just need to fully understand where the situation is, understand where his value is and just move on. And if I can get some sort of value and and expirings and that flexibility, I consider that value, uh, I, I would probably do that at this stage. So I guess the reason I ask is because recently I've been thinking about it in terms of potentially waiting to do it this summer. The reason I say that is obviously you are stuck with him for the rest of this year and mm-hmm. you can't have that resolution, which I do agree with you counts for something. Um, but if you look to trade him this off season, maybe at the draft, you have an opportunity to potentially get a late first round pick this year in a deal because teams who have outgoing picks uh, like the Lakers would be eligible to trade their first round pick on draft night. Uh, whereas right now they couldn't trade anything until 2029, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that could be a reason. But I think also, you know, moving a contract with three years left on it compared to four, that probably takes some of the uh, the fear out of it. But like to me, that would be the absolute latest. Um, and I think right now, like you're probably not going to get much lower in terms of trade value for Zach. Maybe it doesn't get any higher this summer, but I don't think it's getting any lower. And so this kind of deadline that, you know, the trade deadline is one thing that could spur some desperation from another team and maybe like, you know, incentivize somebody to make a move for it. But I think if you don't do it, then I'm starting to feel like it would be okay to wait until the draft. Now, the issue with that is you absolutely cannot wait to go beyond that because you don't have money. Like you, you cannot mm-hmm. bring back Demar. And if you wait yeah. until uh, the draft, that will have passed the time where you can extend Demar. And so mm-hmm. you will have had to make a decision about Demar uh, and whether you want to keep him. And I think that's something that they're probably not ready to do. So that just like opens up all these other possibilities of like maybe you need to move Demar now so that you can uh potentially reserve the ability to get something back for zach longer term because that opens up more space so you can keep him longer i mean in some ways it's kind of like taking on a distressed asset to hopefully be able to flip down the line 
I'm not sure that they will ever be able to get something great for Zach. But I mean, people were talking about Tobias Harris like this for years, that he was the worst contract in the league, that he was sunk cost. And now, you know, he's playing well, he's on an expiring contract and all of a sudden there's value again. So it's not like out of the realm of reality for me that at some point Zach does gain more value. And it's just this bigger picture question of like, what are the bulls doing? Are they going to bring, are they really going to just trade Zach now to get off of him so that you can re-sign DeMar? And then what are your plans? So I think it's like kind of a larger question to me than just do we need to trade Zach today? And I think if you can get something for him, you should because it's time to move on. But I also don't want to completely sacrifice the ability to at some point operate with from a position of, you know, surplus when it comes to assets, because the Bulls just don't have it's like almost impossible for them to do that without trading Caruso for a bunch. So I just think there's so much more than just the Zach piece right now. And, you know, the cap obviously plays a big role. What are you doing with DeMar plays a big role. But also, I think the opportunity cost of not doing it there. I just don't really feel like there is much of an opportunity cost of not doing it right now, I guess. Well, see, that's where I disagree. I think there is. And uh, I, I guess what makes this conversation difficult more generally is this there's so much speculation here. There's so much hypotheticals and depending on what path of the hypothetical we, we go down, it can lead to a whole range of different permutations. But the one thing that we do know as an absolute is the bulls are not paying the tax. We know that. And you touched on this a number of times already, but if for whatever reason you're not trading Zach before the deadline, because you don't like the, the offers that you're receiving back and you try to do this thing on on on, the, on you know on draft night. There's a risk in doing so because what happens if you can't? If you can't do that on draft night, then what happens is you go to July one free agency. All that time, it's a new league year. Uh, at that point, if you're if Zach remains on your books, you're signing Pat to a new deal that's probably north of twenty million dollars annually, and you want to retain Demar Derozan. Like if you want to do all of those things, you're going to be over the tax. And what we know about this Bulls team is they're not going to be over the tax. So what that means is you either have to do you have to either trade Zach before July one, whether that's at before this deadline or on draft night, as you noted, or you are losing someone like Pat or Demar or someone else. You have to make another move or another concession to sort of facilitate the need to have Zach's money on the books because you're holding out for something. So I do think there is risk and that risk is an opportunity cost in itself. So can I, there's can risk I pause you there in... for a second? Go ahead. Because I think the I guess what I'm trying to say is like the idea of not doing it because you want to be able to resign Damar and Pat. I think that's a flawed way of thinking about it. You shouldn't just trade Zach now because you wanted to bring back Damar because you might first of all, you might not even be able to bring him back tomorrow because he might not want to stay. Mm-hmm. Secondly, yeah. it might not be prudent to do so because he might want more than he should get. And mm-hmm. third, it might not be prudent to do so because where does that leave you future-wise? I mean, that just like sets up to be this same team that we've seen floundering here for the past 10 or 12 games. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. they have their seven, 10 and seven with without Zach, but they're also six and seven in their last 13 games. They have like a minus five net rating. They're not playing well right now. And I know they're missing some guys, but like this, this current iteration is also not the solution. And so if no. you just trade Zach because he's the first domino that has to fall, if you want to bring back Damar, well, maybe you should be asking yourself the question whether you should bring back Damar in the first place, or maybe look to move him now and start to explore Zach opportunities when he has more value, because that would be the better value play. I don't know if that's true, but I think that's a consideration. I, I don't disagree. I think you're. I think that's all good and fair and valid points, but we're arguing different things. I think you're you're suggesting what they should do, but I'm operating from an assumption or a point of what I think they will do, and all reports, all indications suggest that they, this team wants to keep Pat and, and Demar. So, I guess I'm operating from a different st- standpoint or a different frame, a framework whereby I'm assuming certain things. So I'm assuming they're not going over the tax, and I'm assuming Pat and Demar are coming back. So I don't want to, you know, throw away what you just said because I think they're all very but I think, good points. Yeah, I think that's I, I important to distinguish because, yeah, like yeah, I th- I do think that people have just like kind of come to the conclusion that 
this is the move that has to be made right now because that's what's likely to happen. But just because yeah. something is likely to happen doesn't mean it's a good idea. And I think that's kind of where, like, yeah. I, and I'm not saying you think it is a good idea or not. No, I'm no, just no, saying, no. like, just just because it's like becoming somewhat of a given, I don't know. I just I don't think that necessarily makes it right. I, I, again, I completely agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Um, and I'm not sitting here saying that you having to pay Pat whatever he wants or whatever the the market dictates is his value. And you know, giving uh, Demar three one hundred three years one hundred million, similar to to Chris Middleton. I'm not saying that would be a good outcome, but if that's the path they're going down or they want to achieve, then you can't do that whilst keeping Zach on the roster. So, again, I I just wanted to clarify that point because yeah. Uh, well, I, I, not that I'm saying that I agree with those things from a pool's point of view, but if if that's what I assume and can see is happening down the road, or ever what they're telling us is what they're telling us, and that's going to be the path that we take, that that's the the the, the path that I'm sort of operating in terms of my mindset of how this thing will play out. So if that's what the Bulls want to do, they want to retain Demar, they want to retain uh, Pat, all that sort of stuff. And if Lonzo's money doesn't come off the books, he comes back next season. <laughs> I won't touch that one because that's a you know that's a whole other kettle of fish. But if if all that happens, then there's a lot of risk in not doing Levine's deal now because one, he could get hurt. Like that's that's another thing. Like if if he comes back and gets hurt again, and maybe it's a bad injury this time around, like you have no chance of moving him down the road. Um, but there's also a risk doing what you said before in terms of holding out and waiting to the draft and hoping that you can do a deal at that point in time because maybe you can't. And if you can't, then you have zero flexibility of what about what you're doing in the offseason and your whole, your whole, uh, the whole dynamic around what you can do in that offseason just dramatically changes if you can't find a deal for Zach on draft night. And the important thing to note is on draft night, you're still within this current calendar year from an NBA point of view. The minute you tick over to July 1 and free agency, that's a new NBA calendar year. It's a new cap climate, all those sorts of things. If you trade Zach for an expiring on July 1, you're not trading him for an expiring that just clears your space come July 1 on 2024. Maybe it would be the case for July 2025, but certainly not J July 2024. So there are real risks around it. Um, and I think it would be a ballsy thing to do, but it could be also a very problematic thing to do. I think that they're, if they're going to have to dump him for like, because they have limited options at the deadline, I think that they'll be in the same situation at the draft. Like I just... I don't know how different those situations like the 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 pressure to get something done because like the fear of money and the financial ramifications of the upcoming year are closer at the draft. So I like there's maybe a little bit of pressure. But to me, again, I just don't think that like the what they're going to get now is that much different than what they might get then. And so to me, I would just be exploring other avenues and i think everybody is just, like like i said before i i think everybody's just kind of come to the conclusion that this is what's going to happen but if we're talking about trying to get as much value out of this situation as possible i don't think that they're going about this the right way and i think that's worth calling out uh, yeah i mean all fair but at the same time whilst i don't necessarily disagree that the values are going to change between now and the draft as an example what could change is the dynamics of all these other teams. So for the Lakers, which we touched on before, and their the fact that six, uh, what's the name, six, uh, six players or six sources are disgruntled with Darvin Ham right now, the value for the Lakers trading for Zach Levine now is that that could change or dramatically shift what their their current season is and what their playoff push may or may not be. Which which they came into this thing this season hoping for a championship. If they don't do a Zach Levine deal now. That whole chance of winning a uh, winning a championship or doing something different now, like that's an opportunity cost for them too. So, are the Lakers on the board for Zach at draft or next off season as well? Like that's another thing you can't control where you've got less control of. Whereas now you can maybe leverage that or hope to leverage that. Whereas in you know four, five, six months time, maybe that's not a thing as well. So, I guess the point being, there's pros and cons. Uh, there's opportunity costs, there's things you can and can't control. I would do it now because I would like to have that resolution and I would like to have this amount of time to sort of figure out what my next move is. Whereas if you're pivoting now or, or sorry, trying to pivot in, in terms of trading Zach 
on draft night. You've you've got one week really to then prepare for free agency and to really understand what that whole dynamic looks like. Whereas if you don't do trade Zach at the deadline, you have to play with him for the rest of the season. Like, do you really learn more about what your current group is, what you want to do with that with that group moving forward? Like, it impacts a lot of different things. So, uh, I understand the whole again not winning the deal, but trying to get the best outcome of the deal. But at the same time, I, I do think there is an opportunity cost to it, and I do wonder at what is the line of demarcation as to when you say yes that we just got to move on, or versus no, we got to continue to hold because we need, you know, an extra first, or we need to include a first or a young player or whatever the situation may be. Yeah, I mean, they may at some point need to include an asset to get off of Zach, and that would mean maybe a Crusoe or maybe a pick, and then it's like. I mean, that's just how far we've come, I think, where we're actually considering that. I'm not saying that's likely, um, but it's, I think, in the world of reality here. Uh, Super chat from AK. We appreciate you, AK, for $9.99. Don't see Bulls fan, uh, Bulls front office making trades, including Damar, if it takes the Bulls out of the playoff hunt. Bad contracts get moved all the time. I think Acme is fine for the next several years with a 40 to 45 wins team. Look, then get somewhere between 40 and 45 wins this year. I think they'll be thrilled. Uh, not sure I see that happening, though. Uh, we will talk more about this after our next break because I think it leads n- nicely into uh, some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about in terms of the team's direction and you know where we think they're taking things, where they actually are taking things. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about Empire Today, and then Mark is going to tell you about... Circa Sportsbook. Just making that clear because I know some people have you know a difficult time understanding the <laughs> dynamics of our ad reads, and I just wanted to be very <laughs> upfront when I said that out loud. So uh, Empire Today. With Empire, you get to shop at-home convenience for the right products for your needs and quick and professional installation and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to do new flooring. So of course they have copycats. But Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, or speed, so competitors will always advertise lower quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire is not going to promise you the lowest prices because anybody who's promising you those kind of prices is not putting the floors in their place that you should be putting in yours. They keep floor shopping simple with a curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively comes through with thousands of product samples each year to find you the perfect styles. They have a virtual floor designer, which is a great way to see how new floors will look in your space. It's easy. You just snap a picture and instantly see how the new floor will look in your room. Shopping for floors at big box stores can be frustrating. You might talk to someone who was working in plumbing yesterday, but at Empire, all they do is floors, 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 no matter what, as Dave loves to say. They live and breathe flooring, so you can be confident you're getting honest and upfront advice. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code, you guessed it, CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empire.com slash CHGO for details. Empire today. It is now my turn to read an ad about Circa Sportsbook, our friends, where you can play some bets. If you want to make these uh, Bulls games a little bit more interesting, then uh, put some money on it. Why not? Particularly over the last few uh, games where we haven't necessarily had the best return from a Bulls basketball point of view. If you want to add some little bit of a little bit of juice and spice to your your Bulls viewing, then uh, jump on the Circa Sportsbook app and uh, do so. Place a you know. Place a bet on the line, place player props, whatever it might be. If you want to add a little bit more juice to the game, whether it's a Bulls game, whatever it might be, whatever you're betting on, then do it with our friends at Circus Sports. All you need to do is download the app and uh, jump on the website too at circusports.com forward slash Illinois app. And you can sign up today and be on the lookout for that. And of course, friends. If you are placing bets, if you're gambling, all that sort of stuff, if you've got any issues, call 1-800-GAMBLER uh, or text GAMB 2888-833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Really win- really Make sure you're doing all that. But if you want to gamble responsibly, have some money on, the, on, on a game, enjoy the game from a betting point of view that Circus Sports Illinois is the place to do so. So uh, support them because they support us. We certainly appreciate it. 
We appreciate that very much. Um, let's talk more about just the general direction because I think this is kind of the fascinating conversation that we should be having right now. Um, I mentioned the uh, NBA Countdown pregame show yesterday. Bob Myers, former exec for the Golden State Warriors, is on the panel, and they were talking about the Bulls after Woj said that the Zach Levine market was non-existent. And Bob Myers says, if you're Bulls ownership, you got to say, what are we doing? We Where are we going? There is no good answer to that. Levine is going to come back and play great. He Is that the only way you get anything for him? So that's the right question here. Should the Bulls consider a rebuild? They have to consider a rebuild. Everybody is raising their hand saying, what should we do? Well, um, we were 10 and 6 without Zach Levine. So what? That is for you guys, that you Bulls fans, to glam onto. Um, do you agree with that? I mean, I wrote this thing, I think it was the beginning of this week now. Um, yeah, I think it was Monday about like the Bulls kind of having avoided the nuclear decision. I think that's true in the sense that they don't necessarily need to do that, but I still think it's probably the most like prudent way to get back to relevance at some point in the future. Because even if mm -hmm. they do trade uh, Zach right now and don't get much for him, and you know they they're still so committed to Demar and Caruso that they don't want to trade those guys, like it is just kind of the same thing trending down and down and down slowly um, or quickly, depending on how things go. Like, do you kind of agree with that, that rebuild is still the best way to go, even though it's kind of like, obviously not the ideal situation for the front office. And like, do you see that as any more realistic now, given the situation with how they played? And just let me, before you get into that, like I kind of mentioned before, um, they had their four game win streak, which was great. And I think they're 10 and seven overall in games since Zach Levine went down, but they are six and seven uh, in their previous 13 games. Uh, so a game under 500, they have a negative 1.3 differential in that time. They're 20th in offense, 11th in defense. So mm -hmm. it's not like they're out here like world beating. And maybe it was different if they, you know, over the first four games, like things were really clicking, but I don't think any of us really believe that that was like who this team was moving forward. And now they've kind of fallen back to, I think more in line with who they actually are and are going to be. So yeah, where, where do you kind of stand on, that just who this team is and what what is the best path forward well look i this is going to be a non-answer because i don't think there is a one way to do it and i don't really care in some senses because i would appreciate a rebuilding path i think that would be a good strategy but also think about the team the bulls just played the knicks i would be very happy to be a knicks fan right now uh, as <laughs> i'm reluctant to say as much for obvious reasons but I think, like, if I'm a Bulls fan and, and that Knicks team was the Bulls team, as an example, I would have a lot of joy watching that team. That team, that Knicks team isn't winning a title anytime soon, but they have good players. They play the right way. There's upward mobility in a, a number of different ways. That team's probably going to get to the playoffs as a real chance of winning a first-round season uh, series. If it gets lucky, it can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I think there's a path to for the Bulls to be the Knicks in that sense. And if that's the path they want to go down, assuming they do it correctly, I think you can get to that point. And if the Bulls were to do that, I would be content and happy in that. Now, if I'm do you think aiming that for something like, a little bit higher, go ahead. Do you think that is like realistic though with what they have now? I mean, for me, so. if they were to get to that team, to that caliber of team, top five team with their current like situation plus whatever you can get for Zach, like, do you think that that is a realistic outcome with without going the rebuild route? Because, like, I have questions about that. Well, I mean, the Knicks got where they are without necessarily having to go to the rebuilding route in such. So I think from that point of view, you, you need to hit on your moves and, and make the correct decisions. But that is true of any path you take. Even if you go down the rebuilding path, you need to obviously make the correct decisions and hit on the moves that you do or don't make. So uh, from that standpoint, like, I think, look, do I think this current Bulls team could be a 45 to 50 win team next season if they keep it all together, sans Zach, and do that sort of stuff? No, probably not. But can they build to that in time and be a 45-ish win team and a team that can win a first-round series in next year? Maybe not next season, but the season thereafter, et cetera. I think that's possible, but there were, you would still need to add to the team and, and make changes around that. Um, so I'm certainly not suggesting a team led by DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic can be what the Knicks are 
But if you add to that over time and players get better and you make and you hit on all your moves, then yeah, I think this could be a good team, a good fun team. So I understand that point of view. But also, like, I also kind of think that a rebuild shouldn't be off the table. I think a rebuild could be the right decision, is probably arguably the best way to get back to something more than what the Knicks are doing. If you if if, if that's what we're talking about, like I guess what I'm saying is I'm not a title or bust kind of person. But if if you are that type of person, then doing what the Bulls are slated to be doing or what we're assuming they're going to do is probably not the best path. And the rebuilding path is probably the best path because that is your that your most likely the most likely path, even if it is a small chance of actually getting that star play that you do need. That's not going to come from a trade situation for this Bulls team. Uh, they're trying to trade Zach. They're not going to be trading in a star. They're probably not going to land a free agent star because free agents, well, there's not a lot of stars hitting free agency. And as we talked about before, the Bulls are not going to have any cap space this offseason. So they're not getting one from free agency. So if you want to get your hands on the next great young Bulls star, it's going to have to happen through the draft. That's the only way, really. So that's that's why a rebuilding situation to me does make sense still. But am I focused entirely on that? Do I think this needs to be a blow-up, rebuild sort of situation? I don't think it needs to be, but I guess it just what we need to do is what we, we need to establish what the goal here is and what the what the impetus needs to be. For me, I don't necessarily need to see this team over the next two to three years try to build something up towards the title. I understand why some fans may need that, but for me, I don't necessarily need that. All I want to do really is I just want to see good basketball. And if my team is playing well on the court and I feel like my management team are making the right moves around that and are winning more than they're losing, even if that doesn't lead to a title or contention or any of that, like I can be content as a fan. That's just me. Um, but it really depends on the person, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I just, I'm at the point where I'm not even sure that like a Knicks type of future, even before they make a big OG Ananobi trade or a big trade with the rest of their five draft picks in the next two years that they can trade. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that that reality is, or that that's a possibility right now because DeMar's getting older. He's getting more mm-hmm. expensive seemingly. Uh, Vooch yeah. is getting older. I, you know, these like Jalen Brunson type of deals don't really just happen uh, regularly. And they certainly don't happen when you have no cap space to be able to go out and make those deals. So yes, you would need to like hit big on multiple different things. And I think you have some of the foundation and that was kind of the point of the article was like, it's not as if there's nothing to work with here because I do think there is something to work with. Um, to me, it's just like the amount that has to go right in the next like window of two years when you still have Vooch and presumably Damar under contract and before Crusoe's like legs fall off. Um, they're just, it's you just so much has to go right. And you have so little flexibility to be able to go out and do those things and it's just not that they're they're not close as it is like they're just what are they on pace for like 35 36 wins at this point um i just don't think they're they're close enough and so i'm not saying that that's an impossibility i think it's probably their goal is to be able to get to that point and i think of all the possible like avenues that they can take that one probably feels the closest right like it's easier to build from like a little bit below average to a little bit above average than it is to go from below average to elite. Um, like, yeah, you kind of need to go through the bottom in order to do that one. And so I get mm-hmm. that, but I also just wonder, you know, how they're even going to make those types of moves because they just don't seem to have the resources to be able to do it at this point. And maybe that's unfair. Um, you know, maybe they can get off Alonzo. Maybe they get DeMar back on a value deal. Maybe they make a big free agent signing and Patrick Williams pops, you know, it's like all these things kind of have to happen. And yeah. you're totally right. That that needs to happen regardless of which path they end up going. Um, but to me, yeah, just like at a certain point, you know, we're the same situation that we were in a year ago. We're in the same situation at the end of the season, probably that we that we were last year. And I just don't know at what point things are kind of going to change for the better or for the worse or like for up or down. You know, I just... I need to see, to me, like, I need to see something happen, something different happen. And I think a lot of people got excited about the team playing well because it was different because Zach was gone. But Zach's still not gone. He was just injured. And they still have big decisions to make with him. 
So I'm just, I'm totally fascinated by how this next month is going to turn out. Yeah. And look, another example, if we don't want to use the Knicks example, like Houston, let's, let's, let's think about Houston. Like they're not necessarily, you know, reshaping the NBA landscape right now, but they're playing decent, good basketball. We're going to see the Rockets in a few, in a few days time. We've got the the back-to-back situation here against the Hornets or the next two games against the Hornets. But then we play, the Bulls play the Houston Rockets and, their young guys haven't necessarily jumped off the map. Well, maybe Shangoon has, but it's not like uh, Jalen Green or uh, Jabari Smith or, or any of these other guys are looking like superstars in the making type situation. But like that is a good, fun team that is doing it the right way, that have got the vets around those younger guys. And you can sort of see how that's building up. So maybe that's a better example of what I think the Bulls could potentially be next season. And, and if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm probably enjoying this season, to be fair, right now. Now, I'd certainly agree with you that there needs to be changes for the Bulls' point of view. You can't sort of run it back the way they have been. But I guess where I disagree is this isn't just like what we've seen over the last four to five to six games hasn't just been the team regressing without the Zach, without Zach Levine. Like they've been without Tory Craig, they've been without Nikola Vucevic, they're losing other pieces around the periphery. So, when you take out Zach, like this was, well, even with Zach, this was a team with thin margin of error. You take Zach away, it's obviously a thinner margin of error. You tend to take Vooch and Tory Craig and a few other guys out, and you're having to rely on Terry Taylor and Dale and Terry and other guys. You're playing rotations that have never seen the light of day together in, in a tough schedule. You're really, really relying on Kobe and Pat and DeMar. And, you know, guys are starting to get hurt now as well, like Pat, Kobe and DeMar, like, uh, sorry, Kobe and Pat. Like, I think they're just going through a tough stretch for a number of different reasons. And I don't think it's just this is now their new normal. I think there's certain things that have happened. But if you can go into this offseason, you bolster, you bolster rather this rotation, you add two or three other guys, you give Billy a real 10, 10 or 11-man rotation and you use that as your strength through the regular season where depth, if you don't have that star power, you have that depth power to overcome some teams in the regular seasons. I, I do think there is a path where this team could be a 44 to 48 win team. Now we could have the philosophical argument about is whether that's the right or wrong thing, but just parking that for the moment, like do I still think the path that they're on right now that they could build a good and functional team that we can all enjoy watching. I think that is still very much in play, but we're running out of time to maybe have that philosophical conversation. But again, like we're maybe just operating from different standpoints where I'm sort of thinking about what they will do. Whereas maybe you're asking the bigger picture questions of what they should do. And I think if we were to have that conversation, you and I would probably largely agree on it, but uh, yeah. Well, I, just, I think I'm, also like, I mean, Colin in the comments saying, I agree with Mark to a point, let's win 46 46 plus games next year win two plus games first round it sucks but that's a realistic goal but it is uh from rob Mm -hmm. right below that build a team that gets to the second round of the playoffs consistently then keep your eyes open for a big move that shifts you into contender um okay even the knicks are not wildly better than the bulls like i think all that stuff is the goal i think that's what they want to be but let's remember that the bulls are in 11th place right now they're getting beaten by these teams i know they've had moments where they look a lot better they also had moments where they look a lot worse and I'm just not sure I'm ready to put the Bulls into a category with the Knicks right now because the Knicks were a sucker out of the playoff team last year and the Bulls were uh, not a first round team. I mean, they missed the playoffs. So like, yeah, yeah. I, I still think they have work to do in order to get there and to circle it back to our conversation about Zach, like that's going to have to be a move that helps you get to that point because I don't think it's just happening, happening naturally. And to me, that's why getting something back for Zach still matters. It really does. But the Bulls are in the hole they're in right now, not because of what this current team has been doing over the last 10 or 15 games. They're in the hole they're in now where they're five, six games under 500 because of the first 19 or games of the season, whatever it was, or five and 14 when Zach went out. That's the reason why they're sitting 11th in the East and they're not in the conversation with the Cavs and the Knicks you know, even Orlando in that six to eight range. Like that's why we're here because of that first 14 or sorry, first 19 games, like that 19 game sample 
put this team in a massive hole. They've done an admirable job to sort of climb out of it. I think if they have a really good stretch here and win their next three, which they can against the Hornets, like I said, two games against the Hornets and a game against the Rockets, you win those three, you get up to 18 and 21 and you can still build from there. Maybe you do trade Zach and you get some, maybe you don't get you know young assets or something like that back, but you get some guys that can help the rotation out and build out depth. Can you get to... 7th, 8th, 9th, something like that. I do think you can do that. So I think part of the reason why where the Bulls are in the situation they are right now is because of that not initial 19 games. If that first set of 19 games plays out a different way, maybe we're not in the hole right now where we're looking from the outside looking in right now. So I don't know. We we have to we do have to separate well, like these. They are. This that was part of it. Like that. I, I know, I know, just, but like, they, they are two different. Of course, and you, you have to factor that in from a record point of view, but in terms of my approach about what this team can or can't be, I don't think we can just look at the record and say 15 and 21 and say this is who the team is because the team has had very different uh, variations within this season already. And again, we're running long here, so maybe we, we pick this up next time. But I, and we've touched on this before, but I, I've seen a little bit, I've seen some things over the last 15 to 20 games that makes me feel good about at least this team being a good positive team that I can enjoy watching. I I certainly am not delusional enough to think that a a core around Kobe White and Patrick Williams and Io and Dale and Terry, et cetera, is enough for this team to in two to three years time to propel itself up at the top of the East. I, I definitely don't think that. So if the aim is to add more premier talent, that needs to happen via the draft. And that's where the rebuild thing does make sense. But assuming the rebuild isn't happening, I do still think the scope for this current team to get to the sixth or seventh seed, but you can't have the first 19 games, which they did. And I understand that they did, and that's part of the season, and it is the record is because of that. But if that doesn't happen and you just play 500 ball there because there's no shenanigans that we talked about before coming back to the whole Zach stuff, then you're not 15 and 21 right now. Maybe you're, you know, I don't know. Somewhere in somewhere around five hundred, maybe a little bit above five hundred, and we're talking about a very different season. Yeah, totally disagree with that, but uh, definitely a conversation <laughs> for next time. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's pick that one up next time because I think that's that's an interesting point, and I think it also uh, sort of does really lead into the discussion about where they need to go from here. So uh, we'll we'll uh, talk more about that next week. Um, until then, Mark, thank you for. Joining me uh, at MK Hoops on Twitter, I'm at Will underscore Gottlieb. We got Joey pressing the buttons, doing his thing back there in the background from home today. I hope you're working remotely. Um, but we will be back tomorrow for Bulls pregame ahead of the Bulls Hornets game, where hopefully, probably, uh, seems like Zach Levine will be back. So uh, look forward to watching that. Look forward to talking with you all then. We will see you guys next time. We all silly like the mayor.